Welcome to the Experimental Aircraft Channel podcast and video podcast series, where we talk with our guests about experimental, light sport, and ultralight aviation. We are just getting started with this, so if the audio isn't 100% just yet, bear with us. Perfection is coming. Let's jump right into the interview. Thank you to our sponsors, Airworks, Acme Aero, Kit Plane Parts, Edge Performance Engines, and Viking Aircraft Engines. Okay, everybody, welcome to another uh, kind of virtual session here with Zoom. Uh, being that we are social distancing, trying to keep everybody connected in the aviation community as much as possible. And today uh, we are meeting with uh, Vans Aircraft, uh, Greg Hughes, out in Oregon. Good morning. How you doing, Matt? Great, great. I have, have to ask, and not to throw you a curveball question, but Hughes, are, are you any relation at all <laughs> to the great Howard Hughes? <clears throat> no, the, my answer to that for years has been, yeah, I wish. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. The Spruce Goose, which is, of course, the huge uh, uh, flying boat that he built, is actually down in McMinnville. It's about a probably about a forty-five minute drive or a ten-minute flight from from here, right? Really and, nice. Uh, and it's uh, if you've never made it to McMinnville or to the Portland area, then <clears throat> especially if you're an experimental type person, you know, there's a, a lot of aviation related stuff in Oregon, especially in this part of Oregon. So. You know, we encourage people to when they come by vans, maybe do the tour and run down to McMinnville and don't miss taking in the Evergreen, Evergreen uh, Museum down there. It's really, really cool. Awesome. We'll have to check that out next time. I did, I did visit vans years ago. I want to say it was probably, gosh, 15, 15 to 20 years ago, a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive place. So I wanted to, to get with you today. Uh, unfortunately, Sound Fun, you know, was moved and now it's officially canceled. There's a lot right. of manufacturers, vendors that didn't make it up down to Florida and, uh, you know, would have had a chance to talk to us, the public, what's going on there. So I just wanted to ask, you know, what's new for Vans Aircraft in 2020? Wow. Um, you know, we have a lot going on. Um, certainly, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a good time for experimental aviation. I think across the board, industry-wise, you know, we saw that uh, 2019 business was up and it was up the year before. Um, and so that's a good thing. Uh, we've uh, we've got uh, a lot of, of course, ongoing maintenance of our fleet, a lot of projects going on. Um, a lot of what we've been working on has been uh, uh, enhancing the abilities that we have in our factory uh, to be able to new, do new and different things. Uh, also, of course, working on you know aircraft designs, aircraft updates, um, really a whole lot going on. Uh, the sun and fun not happening is just really unfortunate. You know, we're in a completely, totally unusual. Uh, new sort of operating model in the world right now. And as a result of, uh, you know, this, this viral pandemic that's going on, we've had to make some adjustments in advance um, in order to be able to cope with that and still make sure that we're able to do business and deliver what our customers need from us and want from us. And so we've been doing that. So that, so that being said, are you guys still pushing kits out and just running like, like a skeleton crew oh, yeah. right at the moment or? So what we've done is I, you know, we, the, our top priority is the safety of our the Vans family, right? Or the which which is really our employees, but also our customers. So we've made some changes. Um, we uh, were we've, we're kind of a um, I won't say old school technology company. We have a lot of really modern technology, but um, we didn't have work at home capability, for example, especially from a telephony perspective. So and uh, we're a very we do a lot of customer interaction on the phone. Um, so we had to make some changes there in a 
a quick project, but we were able to get, we have, you know, a good, almost half of our staff, probably half of our total staff working from home. Uh, and the remainder of the staff works in the factory and the warehouse. And so we're doing, you know, a whole bunch of uh, different uh, cleaning and uh, distancing uh, type of changes in order to make sure that people can, that are able to come to work can do that. In Oregon, uh, the governor's um, order said that uh, there were certain kinds of businesses that had to shut down, right? The, the obvious ones, right? Like restaurants can only, they can, well, restaurants can actually do carry out service, but you know, things like haircuts and stuff where people are just have to be close to each other to be able to do whatever the business does for our type of business. You, you uh, implemented a drive-through kit pickup. Well, kind of <laughs> what we did was we not quite, not quite that cool. Uh, what we did was we had to, um, we had to, we're allowed to continue to operate as long as anyone who can work from home does work from home. And anyone who is left in the facility in the factory and office um, uh, can, can properly, you know, be spread apart from each other and things can be cleaned and, and what have you. And so we put a program in place to, to do that. And we're, so back to your real question. Um, we're still making parts. We're still packing kits. Uh, in fact, lots of them. Uh, business has been very strong and, and that's a good thing. And um, one thing we've noticed is that as this has been going on the last few weeks, uh, it's become pretty apparent that a lot of people that are either building RVs or have thought about building RVs um, are making progress in their work or and or their decisions. And, you know, our parts orders are certainly very busy and kit orders are busy and we're shipping. So good. Good to hear uh, yeah. that. People are at home. Yeah. have to do something, right? Might as well get their kit together. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, um, you know, the one thing everybody talks about is how they get kind of stir crazy. And I mean, what better way to socially distance, you know, than going to your hangar and, and spending time working on, on the project that you love so much and, and focusing your energy and your time there. You know, so, so it, it's uh, unintentionally created a, a bit of an opportunity for people to be able to do that and sort of stay responsible and stay healthy and, and, um, and have something they enjoy doing. Sure, sure. So just uh, kind of like a review. I mean, Vans Aircraft has been around forever. I mean, since I was before I was born, I think. Yeah. So uh, not, pe- not before pe- I was born, but close. <laughs> <laughs> People should yeah. know the name as a household name for for now, but uh, maybe not. Um, so what models are currently in in production? Like I know I, I started out on a couple different kits back in the day, the RV6 and looking right. on your, your, your timetable there. Um, you still support that platform, but it's no longer available as a as a kit. I understand, correct? No, no longer available to start, right? So you yeah. still get a finished kit, for example, for an RV six. But the current, so the current airplanes, a pretty long list actually of airplanes that are that you could currently start and build are the RV three, four, um, the six is no longer. It was replaced by the seven um, about twenty years ago or so, a little more. Uh, and then there's the RV eight, uh, which is the seven and the seven A. So in, in RV speak, uh, the A model, if there's an A model, that's the tricycle gear, whereas the non-A model is the conventional gear or the, or the tail dragger. So the RV7 is a tail dragger and the 7A is the tricycle version of the same airplane. Then we have the RV8 and the 8A, 9 and the 9A. And then we have the RV10, uh, which is the four-seater. The RV12, which is now the RV12IS, which is an updated version of the RV12, and it's the light sport airplane. Uh, and then the RV14 and 14A. So the RV the RV one is in the museum at Oshkosh, and it was a, 
uh, Stitch Playboy that was adapted and changed uh, by Dick Van Grensman. Um, and then uh, the RB2 is a whole different design that that never flew. To talk about that in a minute, if you want to. Uh, the RB3 uh, we talked about, right? The RB5 is actually an airplane, which uh, we did some videos, and they're on our Facebook page and Instagram and stuff here and there from last year. Um, and it hasn't quite flown yet, but it's going to fly again. It's a single seat, very unusual and unusual looking airplane. So, and we didn't do an RB13 because, you know, 13. So, so <laughs> yeah, makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so, what is the real difference? Um, RB14 being the, the newest kit available. And it looks very right. similar to the seven or the nine. So what, what is the real differences between those different platforms? So I would say that the 14 is cl probably closer to the seven than the nine. The 14 is an aerobatic airplane as the RB seven is. Um, the RB nine is not. So okay. the wing on the RB nine is all about, it's a very thick, long wing. Uh, it's all about going up high, uh, cruising fast on, on a, at a high efficiency is what it's about. So it's a cross country airplane, great airplane. Um, the seven, um, is for some people um, who have maybe very broad shoulders or broad others, you know, midsections, uh, might have a little bit of a difficult time squeezing into a seven. Uh, the 14 is really sized so that it's wider, a little bit bigger, a little bit taller. Um, it shares a lot of parts actually, especially wing parts in common with the RB10. So the way that I explain it somewhat unconventionally is an RB7 and an RB10 had a baby. Um, it would grow up to be an RB14, which is really, really kind of what it is, right? I mean, it's okay. um, if you think of the RB7 sized at RB10 size, a mm. two-seater, it's really what you get with the RB14. It uses an IO390 as the typical power plant, um, and uh, uh, it's a nice airplane. It's a real nice airplane. So it, I think of the uh, – go ahead. So it shares the wing of the 10? It shares the wing – the wing of the 10 and many of the exact same part numbers, it's not as long as an RB10 wing. Right. A little okay. bit shorter, Okay. but it does share, shares the same wing structure and components. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for clarifying for that. Um, yeah. So as far as the kits go, uh, you know, you, you guys have uh, kind of pioneered some of the technology moving into uh, the, the kit industry and as it's come available. So what is it currently? Is it, is it match hole? I mean, you still have to drill out to final size or is it current? Is it now a final size hole kit or where do you, where do you stand? No, it's now, it's now matched, matched hole uh, and final size. So, okay. um, so our kits have gone through some evolution. Um, if you go back to the very beginning, um, it was literally uh, hand-drawn paper plans and uh, metal uh, and start from there and fabricate, right? Uh, you fabricated a, a enormous, amount of the airplane as you were going with an original RB3, for example. Um, uh, and pretty much through the RB6, um, although the RB6 went through some evolution in the early 90s, right, late 80s, early 90s, and started getting some pre-punched skins that actually had holes in them, uh, you know, but but you're not, when you get to the to the 7, the 8 and the 7 came out in a little bit of an odd order there, but, um, you know, you started having parts that are pre-formed, so that are hydroformed and you know they're wrapped around you don't have to build your own forms and get out a hammer and start knocking the flanges around for the ribs for example um so i think of the first the first uh uh phase of rb kits is, is sort of the the uh the fabrication phase um the current phase i think of is um and if we're being honest it's much more assembly than it is than it is creation of parts right so and then the phase in between, which would be the seven, eight, nine, to a certain extent, the 10, but not so much, 
um, you know, that's sort of the in-between phase where there's a little bit of a hybrid. Um, you know, you're going to do some fabrication. A lot of the parts are made, but you might be doing match drilling and you are final sizing the holes. But in the current kits, especially 12 and 14, um, it's for the most part matched hole final size goes together pretty quickly. There's people that build, um, you know, I know a guy that built an RV4 and it took him 17 and a half years. And then I know somebody that just finished, a few people that have just finished RV14s recently that have done it anywhere from just under a year to a year and a half or so. And it's also, you know, for people that are sort of doing on a more of a uh, uh, after work pace, you know, they might be doing it in a couple of few years. Where sure. You just, sure. you didn't hear about that before. So. so is there a plan to, I mean, being the, the 14 is the newest to so the newest technology you've applied as you've engineered it, you know, already the, the CAD cam software, whatever you use to make it the final match right. hole and final, uh, you plan on going back and kind of retro to bring everything else forward or just that kit is what it is. And most, most like in most cases, most likely the, the older kits are what they are. Okay. Um, I know that people would love for us to go back and, completely retrofit all of the kits. Um, but, um, a lot of it's really, yeah. well, and it's not that simple. And as the tools change, you can't just take new tools and apply them to old designs. Um, mm. you know, you would effectively have to redesign from the ground up in order to do that. So most of the work that we do is in SolidWorks as our, uh, 3d modeling tool. And that's, we have a lot of great, a lot of great capabilities in that tool from both from design to, um, you know, making changes makes it really nice. Um, and, you know, in the recent years, uh, taking on uh, FEA finite element analysis um, type of studies that you can do with that, um, which are just amazing in terms of what you can do in terms of stresses and uh, strains on a structure and seeing, seeing where, how parts interact with each other under load and whatnot. Um, relatively new technology that, that we've adopted that's, that's been really, really great. Um, but most of the energy that we put into um, leveraging the new tools is going to be in uh, updating current designs where where we need to make a change um, enhancing current designs which is what we did with the rv12 and doing the 12 is where we had the fuel injected edge capability in the new cockpit the new fuselage kit sure um, and then <clears throat> certainly rv14 is is all modeled that way and you know in future airplanes but we'll really we'll mostly apply new net new stuff uh, in, in either very, very current and or future airplane models. Okay. I appreciate you clarifying that for me. I was just curious of that because, yeah, I mean, it's been around for a long time and, and coming from more of a mechanical side myself, I understand there's a lot of work involved and get to that point. So, so yeah. um, and we're not a large company. We, we have a total of almost 80 people uh, in the entire company, right? That's factory front office, taking orders, doing tech support, management, um, and our Shipping engineering team. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah, creating um, a, a whole bunch of really awesome people that I feel really privileged to have the opportunity to work with. Um, they do a great job, and they're very passionate. We're all very passionate about what we do. Our engineering team is, you know, we don't, we don't have a great big engineering team that can, you know, where you can assign five people to, you know, a part. Um, when when one of our engineers takes on a project, uh, they're the project manager, right? And they're the lead, uh, and they're the primary designer. And then you know, if it's there's probably going to be another engineer that's sort of their their uh, QC process will or their peer peer review process. Sure. Uh, but that's uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a pretty holistic. It's one of the cool things about working at a company like Vans Aircraft. You know, I've worked at really big Fortune 500 companies before. Um, but, you know, when you work at Vans and other companies in the industry that are similarly sized, you really get to own things from beginning to end. Um, and, you know, that's part of what makes it really appealing to, to people that like to really like sure, to dig yeah. in and get, get hands on. Yeah, if you, you take ownership of a project or a thing, you, there's a lot, there's a lot more pride that goes into it, I think, and responsibility. Yeah. But uh, well, the same hands-on appeal that goes along with you know building an experimental airplane, you know, one of the kits, is uh, is the very similar appeal that goes into the the engineers that that want to come and work here um, and do really cool stuff, but they get to be hands-on and uh, get to see get to see the whole thing. Sure. Tell me about um, the quick build option. Um, I think years ago, maybe it still is this way. It was, it was uh, done across the pond. Are, are you guys doing that there locally now, or is it still done across the no, pond? So quick, quick build kits are still done in the Philippines. Um, the, and, and there's a team of folks there. It's a, it's a, it's a separate company, but it's, they pretty much exist to, in, for the process of doing quick builds. Uh, for the purpose us. of their they existence. Yeah. Yeah, and they do a lot of them. So, you know, I mean, there was, uh, you know, a, there's a lot of aviation, especially aviation construction talent in the Philippines, right? Um, you know, there's used to be a lot of, uh, I think, U.S. military uh, work that was done there. And, and, and uh, you know, when all the base closures that happened, and a lot of changes that took place in the military, you know, what, 15, 20 years ago, um, opportunities created for new jobs and industry. And, and so we have a, a terrific partnership where um, we make all of the parts in Oregon. Um, everything is everything comes from the factory in Oregon. Um, and then we crate them up into big crates of mass parts. And we ship them over uh, on a boat. And then when they come back, they come back as partially completed aircraft. And uh, we take them and put them through our QC process and validate that everything is good to go and ready to go. Um, if you've seen videos of our pictures of our warehouse where all the quick build stuff is you know we yeah. have racks that are three or four uh racks tall of just quick build stuff um, lots of and, lots of boats lots of boats standing vertically yeah yeah, yeah the the canoes that the i call canoe, the canoe yeah yeah, yeah. And so it, it um uh and we take we take those we do the qc we ship them back out to somebody in fact if you lived in the philippines and you ordered a quick build from us uh, we would make the parts in Oregon. We'd ship them to the Philippines. They would come back to Oregon. We'd go through the QC. We'd create it up and we'd ship it to you in the Philippines. So the yeah, full, full control of the quality control. Right. It's a very standardized process. You know, there's there's really uh, um, uh, very intentionally a, a, a relatively complex set of standards that goes into everything that we do. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's part of what makes our consistency work really well. So that, uh, yeah, you take, you, you mentioned earlier, matched hole, final size and sort of the evolution of kits. If you have an RV three that was made, you know, back in the eighties or what have you, um, or, or even earlier or whatever, um, and you need to replace a part on it. Um, there's quite a bit of manual work that goes into fabrication and replacing that part. If you had an RV 12 or a 14 or a seven or an eight skin or something like that, you need to replace on a wing. Uh, we can punch one out on our, on our uh, CNC punch presses, uh, we can take it off the shelf and ship it to you and it'll fit. Um, it's, you know, the, I've, I've taken, I, I have a RB12 that I take care of uh, and maintain and do sort of manage for one of the, for team flight, one of the STEM programs 
the first one that we did here in Oregon. Nice. And, um, and it, uh, you know, that airplane, a lot of kids around it and goes to a lot of air shows on display and stuff. And you know, stabilator corners get beat up and several times I've taken parts off there and, and literally pop those rivets out, uh, pop rivets, drill them out, get them out of there. And then, uh, take that, that skin that costs $19 or something like that and pop it on the corner and rivet it on. And it fits exactly every time because it's, we, it's a very repeatable process. Sure. Sure. Well, tell me uh, a little bit uh, about yourself and how long you've been managing there and when, when officially did uh, Vans kind of step down and how is he still involved in the company? Well, Van, Van's still involved um, pretty regularly and he's um, uh, still, you know, chairman board, so to speak, he's on the board um, and he still, you know, does engineering work. Uh, he's in the office several times a week often. Um, not right now with the, with the viral sure. pandemic, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's staying at home, but he's, he's doing work at home. And, uh, so, um, the van hasn't been, uh, thinking of it as president running the day-to-day operations of the company for, I think over 12, 20 years. Um, I've, I've been here for about two years, right yeah. out two years, just about right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm the new guy. Um, and I was brought on to do media and, uh, sort of or external facing things really is what it was about. New website. We're working on a new store, online store, um, things like that. But Van, Van is uh, still pretty deeply involved. One thing that we um, is relatively new and started even, we started doing even since I arrived at the company in the same time frame uh, was the RV-12 SLSA airplanes, which is a certified airplane that can be flown, you know, by flight schools and what have you. So we build and we finish the airplane. It's painted, it's tested, flight tested, and ready to fly away. Okay. We build those at Vans Aircraft now. So there was a another company, Synergy, that was building them for some time for us, but that transition took place. Synergy Air is, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with, yep. is a company that, that does build or assist. Um, and their build or assist has, had just taken off and it was a, a huge industry for them and a real opportunity. And so um, there came a time when it just made sense. Uh, Vans was ready to be building the SLSAs um, from a uh, capability and a room perspective. And Synergy was, you know, really open to and, and focusing energy on uh, doing builder assist and doing it really, really well. Opened another, they were here in Oregon and Eugene. They still are. They've opened another facility just south of Atlanta, right? Noonan, uh, I think, yeah. Right. And they're just, they're doing, they're just going gangbusters and, and helping people that want to build our planes um, who maybe wouldn't have started or approached it originally, but now we're doing so um, because of the opportunity to get some additional education, a little bit of assistance in a facility to build it in. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious because you know, you still see him out here and there um, at some of the shows and all that. And then like, oh, yeah. after the news, he kind of, you know, stepped down or whatnot. So He's still very, very much involved. Good, good to know. No, certainly has not stepped down. Not, not even remotely. Okay. Um, still, still very involved. Uh, still, still involved in design discussions and, um, and what have you. Uh, but you know, there's a there's a larger team that's that's uh, doing all of those things now. Um, but but he's definitely still very deeply involved. Um, and you know, Vans Aircraft is an employee owned company, so it's a, like an employee stock ownership program. Okay. Uh, type of setup and so uh you know van and others at the company you know their their investment of their time is an investment in the company and you know there's a paycheck that comes out of it as well but um you know the um, 
Dan made the decision some time ago to to set that up for people to work at the company, and it's uh, I gotta tell you, it's a pretty cool place to work. I would imagine. Um, I would imagine so. Me, I, my aviation career isn't that many years old, right? You know, started in the two thousands with actually getting involved in aviation, and then uh, got my private pilot license in uh, two thousand and early two thousand eight. So, so I'm still relatively new to it. Um, but being in, uh, in RV country in Oregon, right around Portland, you know, started to see all these really cool airplanes and then got asked to get involved in team flight, um, had an opportunity to meet Van because chapter EA chapter 105 is the chapter that I was a member of and Van's a member of and his brothers. Uh, so that's how I met him. Um, so, and now, uh, I get to go to work, uh, and the company he founded, I, I, I left a career in cybersecurity actually. Oh wow! And decided decided to make this change, and um, uh, it's been really cool. It's neat to it's neat to get to go to work, and you know, if you have a question, you can ask man. <laughs> it's kind of it's pretty good, you know. And if it's and and if he doesn't know the answer, then somebody else nearby does, right? So right, uh, right. It's, what it's what would cool. you say is? Um, I mean, I know Vans is is very popular across the board, but what are the the yeah. most popular models at this moment um, for you guys? So, so right now the the um, it, it changes it varies over time. Um, so the most popular over time, the one that we have sold the most of, uh, or I should say, the, certainly the one where the most have flown um, than a first flight is the RV six. Okay. Um, and that uh, the RV seven very popular. Right now the top sellers are the RV fourteen and the RV ten, are the are the the ones where we're selling the most kits. Okay. Um, and, and I believe right now, although it, it does vary, um, I believe the 14 is probably the, the top seller, although we've seen an awful lot of RV7 kit sales lately, right? That's, so, that's pretty uh, interesting, actually, because those are two kind of different opposite ends of the spectrum aircraft, if you will, right? Um, yeah. I mean, one's fully light sport, that was a four-seater, right? So. Yeah, well, the RV12 the RV is a light sport, right? So the 14 is the is the Bubba RV seven, if you will. It's the big, it's the big airplane. Um, and, um, you know, the thing about the 14 is that it's matched whole final size. Uh, and there's very little fabrication involved and the plans, the plans for the 10, 12 and 14, especially are very much step by step by step. Okay. So it's drawings on the same pages, step one, step two, step three, follow these steps. You will eventually have an airplane. Right. That's gotcha. the way that works. Um, and you know, that, that style of plans, uh, appeals to, you know, certain builders that are interested in being able to do that, you know, follow a prescriptive set of instructions that are quite detailed, uh, follow the instructions. You end up with an airplane. People start sure. questions along the way. We provide support on it. Um, but, uh, the level of detail in for those particular models is, quite a bit higher than you would have had in like an RB7 or RB8 or certainly anything before that from a plant's perspective. And, and the engine models real quickly that uh, basically are, are built around this airframe are essentially the Rotax and either a Lycoming or Continental or primarily Lycoming with the legacy style of, in, of engines. Right. So we have one airplane where the Rotax applies and that's the RB12, the light sport okay. airplane. That's that one. And, and it's either the RB12, I'm sorry, the Rotax 912 uh, ULS, which is the carbureted engine, or the 912 Rotex 912 IS Sport engine, which is their fuel injected uh, uh, 
uh, ECU or like they call it ECU. It's like a FedEx type of system, single single lever, throttle lever, no no mixture, no choke like you. You have a choke on the on the ULS engine. Sure. Um, so the the RV12 IS, uh, the original RV12 was the carbureted engine. The RV12 IS can take either one. Um, there's been very very few, uh, only a couple people that have put the carbureted engine on it. So the the IS Sport the, or the 912 IS Sport is the engine that's being sold there. On the RV14, um, the the newest model uh, is really built uh, around the sweet spot is the uh, uh, Lycoming um, IO390. Okay. Uh, you can do an O390 also, but a 390, right? And that's the 390A is the one that's that's uh, been sold for that. On the RV10, it's it's a six cylinder, right? So it's a it's a 540. Um, and then on the on the earlier models, the the RV9 is really sweet spot is around a 320 so 160 horsepower 150 horsepower okay whereas the the seven and eight are are uh, people have put lots of different engines on there you can go as small as a 320 or as large as an angle valve 360 um that's what's intended for so so a variety of different engines um, that are available okay and the nine was kind of built around the possibility of using a smaller engine like out of a somebody was, was a builder you know, out of a 152 or something right an 0235 is the smallest engine you could put in that probably a 235 would be about the smallest you'd want to put in there the the the, the common engine that? that people <laughs> there's been a few there's been yeah. a few a lot of people put io320s in them okay. um, that's pretty common the 320 is is the the most common engine to go into a nine or a nine a Gotcha. The nine, by the way, the nine A, the tricycle gear version, is the most common version built. The nine is what I would call the unicorn of the of the uh, RV fleet, right? You know, you don't see them very often, uh, but when you do, you're like, oh, there's a tail dragger nine, cool, you know. So nice. um, there's there's several out there, but most most of them are nine A's. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to ask, you know, during these very unique times, you know, how can uh, people stay engaged in aviation and especially with with Vans aircraft? Uh, yeah. during this time well it's been interesting it's been kind of fun and interesting to watch i mean it's it's been kind of frustrating to make it all happen too but um uh so the one thing we've seen is there's a lot of builders who are posting pictures of working on airplanes with their kids mm. that's kind of cool right um you know if you're going to be if you're stuck in the same room at home then i guess you might as well be stuck in the same room in the hangar you know Right, air, right. Protection, air, air protection if you're doing noisy stuff you know and, and eye protection but but another thing is um you know, uh, Vans Air Force has seen the uh, Doug Reeves runs a, a forum site called Vans Air Force, right? And uh, so it's run separate from us, but it's a place where the Vans community comes together and just chats about things and talks about things. And I know that uh, I called Doug the other day just to see how he was doing. Cause I hadn't talked to him for a while, and he said, "Oh, you know, doing all right, just trying to figure this out." But he said that you know, traffic in the mornings, especially on Vans Air Force, was just three or four times what it usually is because people mm. have time and they're doing their research and they're, they're finding ways to keep themselves and get themselves engaged. Um, we have a, <clears throat> interestingly, you know, AOPA does uh, their regional fly-ins now in, uh, in Tullahoma, Tennessee last year. Uh, we were at that fly-in. I think I was down there, took a 14A down there, the East coast 14A, spent a few days down there uh, and met, met a family, met a whole bunch of people. Uh, crawling all over the 14A and checking it out. But one family that that was there and checked it out is from Auburn. Uh, and uh, um, uh, dad's name is Glenn and son's name was Hudson. And uh, I have a picture of them sitting in the airplane. 
Um, but yeah, I think Hudson's just uh, all over RVs now, and you know they're trying to decide do we want to build a seven or a fourteen. And um, but we started another thing I've done is we started this thing called the Vans Aircraft Sticker Department. So okay. send a self-addressed stamped envelope to to Vans Aircraft Sticker Department. <clears throat> I can give you the address. You can put it up if you want. One four four zero one Kyle Road Northeast or Oregon nine seven zero zero two. So you send one. Then I I drop some here. Let me fly it. Hang on one second here. So. So here we go. This is the Vans Aircraft Sticker Department right here. Okay. Uh, you can see this is one day's worth. There's another stack about five times the size of this over there for me to put stickers in. And then, um, so this is what I'm doing. Stickers. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things is Hudson, this kid, um, he, he sent for some stickers and sent some back. And um, his dad ordered a, a light box sign kit, which is a new kit that we started last year. Um, where you can build a sign that has LED lights in it, you know, Vans Orange, and it has the yeah, logo I've on it. I've got one sitting behind me that I'm scheduled oh, to right. put you together do. here very, very soon, yeah. Looking, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'll be cool. Um, me too. And so, but, but Hudson built the sign last week, and then I found out that he's, print, this kid, he's printing 3D uh, plastic, 3D printer parts because his mom's a nurse and his dad's a pharmacist and his mom, they're wearing those masks and their ears are getting all sore and red. So he built this strap that goes across the back and you can take the elastic bands and hook it on there. So it doesn't go around your ears. Cool. Like a retention strap and things. And so, you know, I posted that on Vans Air Force and now there's a whole bunch of people from the Vans community that are printing out RV stuff. And uh, there's different ways that people are getting involved. Um, certainly well, seen a lot of examples of people teaching their kids, you know, how to rivet guns work and, yeah, I mean, get them, get them started young. So, yeah, so entry, absolutely. absolute like ground level entry uh, into, <clears throat> you've got these sign kits now, these right. light boxes. And then yeah. can you order a, a rudder kit to start on the baby scale of building things? Or is it usually just the whole tail section? So we, we sell the tail kit, right? Or an amp and a panache kit, depending on, uh, if it's called a tail kit, it includes the tail cone. If it's called an empanage kit, it's just the tail feathers, right? Okay. So horizontal and vertical um but but we do have a we have a few practice and learning kits so we have we have the light box sign we have a toolbox that you can build i mean that's a good practical thing to build and then there's also a mini airfoil section which is i believe it's part of a section off of a uh, uh and uh and that's that's buildable um and we even have another one that we call op51 which is just a uh, a small doesn't really make anything other than practicing fabricating and uh, doing all the different screws and rivets types and nut plates or plate nuts, depending on which side of the country you come from. A fastener practice kit. That's really what it is. You know, it's all about cutting, deburring, you know, edge breaking and, and, uh, and, and it's a good opportunity to practice doing things. Um, And for a new builder, it's actually a really good opportunity to practice undoing things is the reason that we did that. In fact, um, Starting about three weeks ago, we made the decision and have started putting that little sort of practice kit in every empanage kit or every tail oh, kit that we sell. Nice. So it's in there now. It nice. doesn't take the place of building a toolbox or or a sign or something like that, but um, but what it does is it really gives people an opportunity to do things like um, understand how nut plate dumpling works and how to do that. An opportunity. It's an opportunity to mess it up, right? Yeah. I mean, we, everyone who's built an airplane. Um, and has actually gotten into it and started doing it, understands how easy and how often you can mess things up. So, so um, that'll gain, you know, gain some confidence is, to move forward on the project. Yeah. You have permission to destroy this because we can send you a whole new kit for yeah. 
10 or 12 bucks or something like here's that, your you sacrificial know, so. kit before you get right. into the yeah. non-sacrificial sacrificial kit well what's important to remember is that um and i remind people of fairly regularly is that experimental aviation is is one of the two big fundamentals it's all about education right learning um it's the reason that it exists actually if you look back at the original you know where did experimental aviation come from it's about you know learning and the opportunity to discover new things sure um, and it's part of why it was allowed to exist in the first place and um, we don't want to lose that you know that that part of things it's it's a really cool anybody can do this i mean anybody can do this right um and trust me if i can do it anybody can do it <laughs> and um you know it's what we're trying to do is just try to make it make it approachable for people there's a lot of great companies out there you know dads and others out there that are doing the same thing and um it's just really cool and such a great communities of people right that you know that we can, it is. That we can interact with and um just really truly good people yeah aviation is a is a great family um yeah. I hope that it continues to, to grow because everything, everything was just doing so well uh, and so yeah. healthy, you know, and that's one of the things I, I mean, that's why I, I started this is to keep, keep spreading the word about what's available to you. Um, right. Cause this, yeah. this is a fun hobby and it can be a career. I, I like to get uh, people involved younger and younger too, so that uh, we, you know, we talk about the pilot shortage, but uh, you know, equally right. there's going to be an aircraft mechanic shortage. Right. to go along with that. So, and this is a right. great place to start, you know, working with dad in the garage, building airplanes, you get the fundamentals of metalworking or fabric right. covering or whatever. Well, and, and the other thing uh, just to add on to that is um, this significant growth in aviation STEM programs, STEM science, technology, engineering, and math, right? Yeah. That's what STEM usually stands for. And well, I have steam, steam, add an A in there and then put arts in there. So, but hands on opportunities to learn, um, usually for kids, right? Although adults get involved and learn a lot too. So Team Flight is the program that we started it was 12 years ago um, at Vans Aircraft. Team Flight 1, this airplane that I take care of, is was built in the wood shop at, at Vans Aircraft, actually, um, uh, by a bunch of kids and Scott McDaniels and, uh, and others who led that program uh, and made that happen. Scott manages our prototype shop uh, okay. and maintenance shop at Vans. Um, and then that grew into a couple more team flight airplanes. And then that grew out to um, a number of organizations around the United States and around the world that have taken and adopt, adapted, uh, adopted, adapted, and changed that model um, to work in the schools and to work, you know, through other organizations. Um, but we've shipped, um, you know, well over 80 RV-12 kits to programs around the world where it's kids that are building the airplane with adult mentors. And you say, you say schools, had, is this high schools or like magnet schools yeah. or what type of schools? Both. So typically high school age um, and both public schools and also some, some magnet schools that are doing that type of thing. But a lot of just public schools where, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity from a vocational trade and training perspective. Uh, and, and it's really just, I mean, it's kind of cool, right? You know, what are you doing in school? I'm building an airplane or what? <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I still get that when I say I'm building an airplane, you know, I'm building an RV8, right? So it's, and it's, I mean, uh, when know, I was in uh, high school, there was an elect option to go for a small engine like repair to rebuild like yeah. a lawnmower engine, you know, that, that right. got, you know, uh, removed shortly after that. But I mean, I'd, I'd much right. rather have an aircraft building shop class sure. than a lawnmower repair. Well, we had, 
Not that that we isn't cool shop. too, but you know. Exactly. Yeah, we had we had shop class, and it was a combination of wood shop and metal shop. I think it was. I think it was two different. I don't know. It was junior high. Yeah. Um, and I know in high school we had shop metal shop, and then we had a we had an automotive, a really great automotive shop facility where I went to high school. Um, we had shop class and we had shop class in middle school. I mean, I remember my yeah. teacher. So did we. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We taught safety was, pretty pretty heavy. <laughs> I was welding in shop class in junior high school, so you know, and that. Uh, but you don't uh, kids don't get that same opportunity anymore, but. I can tell you, having worked with uh, in Team Flight and interacted with a whole bunch of these STEM programs um, that are that are building RB12s, for example, now RB12 ISs, is that um, uh, the kids that are getting involved are learning a lot, and they're not just learning how to use tools hands-on. They're learning about why things are built the way they are. They're learning about quality. They're learning about working with other people, mm. right? About teamwork. Yeah, they're learning lots, about lots of leadership. Yeah. yeah, and they're learning from people that have been there and done that, um, but they're putting their hands on it and really doing it themselves. And so the pride that goes along with doing that and just the, the sense of accomplishment that goes along with doing that, not to mention getting in an airplane and flying in it afterwards, Yeah, uh, you know, that's built by the kids. You know, that's, uh, that's a pretty cool opportunity. It's, uh, it's pretty unique, and so it's, it's fun to be part of that. Yeah, I'd like to see more of that happen personally. I think yeah. there's a need for that. Get people off of, you know, just looking at a screen, which is the way of the future. We're all going to be online and connected and, you know, working digitally, but yep. we still need to work with our hands because that's, you know, getting some th things done in the mechanical, in the real world of, you know, you still have to have things put together. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, hey, uh, Greg, I really appreciate you, your time today and uh, meeting with me online and being able to connect all across the United States. I'm in Florida and you're in Oregon. It's awesome that, yeah. you know, technology we have, that we can have these type of conversations. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been, connected. it's been, been great talking with you. So thank you for joining us here on the experimental aircraft channel for the video podcast and or podcast. These episodes will be available on YouTube as well as all the popular podcast platforms. Thanks for watching or listening. We'll catch you next time.